Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Ragnus, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. And I'm joined today by our one and only Pastor Sarah Sosa. I'm very excited to have you. Thank you for coming Thank in today. You. Always fun to be here in your armchair. Yep. On the podcast. I thought you were going to say in my arms. I'm like, I'm not holding you right now. <laughs> no, I'm most certainly right next to you. Yeah. Armchair. 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 Arm I was chair. like, this one right okay. here. Um, well, like I said last time, we're currently in a three-episode discussion about the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, a sacrament is essentially an outward sign of inward grace instituted by Jesus Christ. And so, um, and Shar kind of mentioned too that it's something that God is doing the action. We are participants of it and we do take an active role, but ultimately it's the work of God doing something in our lives. Is there anything you'd add to that or anything about sacraments that always stood out to you? No, just that I think that there's a little bit of mystery in it. We can't like, I don't think we can adequately describe what God mm-hmm. is doing. And um, and so there's sort of a piece of like wonder about it, mm-hmm. which I think is important. I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be able to explain God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you I know, like I kind of like the idea that he's outside of my ability as a, finite human being to mm. to describe what he's about and what he's doing and so definitely um when i think of the sacraments that piece of mystery i think is an yeah. important thing and like i said last week um like some orthodox or catholic churches will uh practice up to seven different sacraments mm-hmm. most protestant traditions including our denomination and our church will uh, practice two different sacraments and that's communion which we'll talk about next week and baptism, which we're on our second week of discussing today. So last week, Char and I uh, discussed believer's baptism, where it's somebody um, kind of of any age, but the age of where they can understand the basics of the Christian faith and what baptism is. Um, Anybody kind of from that age on up um, may practice believer's baptism. But today we're going to talk about infant baptism. So can you give me just a little crash course on infant baptism and why do we, why is that a thing? In the covenant, right? Yeah. So, well, the covenant church uh, has its roots in the Lutheran church in Sweden. And so uh, the Lutherans as a denomination tend to be an infant baptism denomination. Mm-hmm. So I think we carried those uh, roots over into uh, who, who we grew up to be in the covenant here in the United States. And so we have this piece of believer's baptism background, but also infant baptism in our background. And, uh, you know, it was a point of contention at one point in our history. And then greater minds than mine <laughs> argue, <laughs> argued it out and argued it out and uh, decided we could just kind of agree to both of these, and which is really unique. Most denominations tip mm-hmm. toward believer's baptism or infant baptism, uh, and we will accommodate both. We think there's biblical precedent for both. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah. If you grew up Lutheran, if you grew up Catholic, or have any of that in your background, infant baptism likely will make more sense to you just because that's what you're used to. Um, and so we have it yep. yeah, as an option. And if you're ordained, uh, credentialed as a, as a pastor in the covenant denomination, um, as a part of the things you say you will do, you agree to officiate both. Uh, believers baptism and infant baptism mm-hmm. and so um in our episode for last week Shar and i discussed how a believer's baptism isn't something that's necessary for salvation and we talked about the example of um the other the criminal on the cross next to jesus and jesus said yes you will be with me in paradise 
even though they didn't have time to take them off the cross, <laughs> baptize them, and put them back up. Throw some water out. Um, but uh, yeah. and so, is that true also for infant baptism? Yes. Is is that something that's necessary for salvation uh, or not? N- no, we don't believe it is in the covenant denomination. Other denominations do believe that. Okay. Um, and so you you have to sort of know where you are and what you resonate with. But um, we so um, infant baptism in the covenant church is not a salvation event. Okay. Um, it, what we what we'll actually say as part of the liturgy is that we look forward to the day when this little person grows up and chooses Jesus for him or herself, mm-hmm. um, and so that is the salvation event when 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 you as a person invite Jesus into your life, and it's not yeah. the baptism that does that. And with believers' baptism, the when question is more about when does the person understand and want to make that declaration. Mm-hmm. With infant baptism, that's a different conversation. So when do you have your child or your infant baptized obviously we're talking about infant yeah, yeah. and so that in, indicates that it's like yeah. really a little baby yeah, but yeah. W- what is what has been your experience of when pa- yeah. uh, families have their kids baptized T- typically within the first six months of life i don't know that there's a hard or fast rule for it no. other than to say that the the closer your child gets to two the harder it is to like hold them for, <laughs> you know like the, yep. the, the whole mechanics of the baptism will look different <laughs> Um, and so then, you know, once you get up more to those preschool years, you're you're more likely looking at a believer's baptism situation to come maybe in another year or two as their cognitive understanding expands. It does not have to be, and probably you talked with Pastor Cher last week about this, um, kids have are concrete thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their faith development is, is can only go as far as their brain can allow them to go. Right. So um, if you had a five, six, seven-year-old choose believer baptism, it, <coughs> they don't need to have the full deep comprehension of what's going on that mm-hmm. we would have as adults. And maybe, arguably, we don't even have <laughs> yeah. full deep comprehension yeah. about what's going on. Um, so, well, and Jesus you know, always said, have faith like a child. There you go. Yeah, there it is. So, But infant baptism, typically up to six months, maybe even nine months, but mm-hmm. sooner that, rather than later. And again, some of that comes out of these old, you remember the Lutheran Church is a break-off originally of the Catholic Church. The Catholics um, really um, valued um, babies being baptized right away. Mm-hmm. Because what if they die without that? That that could be a problem yeah. for them um, and for their salvation. We don't believe that. But this sense of urgency mm-hmm. of getting ba- kids baptized right away when they're little babies, yep. I think is still a remnant of that. Yeah. 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 The, so that's kind of interesting stuff. And so I want to go through some of the biblical reasons that um, people... Um, at, for, for why people advocate for infant baptism. Mm-hmm. So one passage is in Matthew 19, verse 14, which reads, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So right away, there's this clear idea that kids are absolutely a part of our community yeah, and that sure. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then in Shar uh, and I discussed the Great Commission last time where um, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew says, go and make believers, go and baptize disciples of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that, of course, includes children. So then where do we really see in the Bible infants being baptized? Um, so one example is in Acts 10. We don't know that it's infant baptism for sure, but there's the story of Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion. Mm-hmm. And when he comes to faith, um, he and his entire household are baptized. And so the household 
aspect of it is kind of implying that any women and children were also included in that. Yeah. Likewise, Acts 16 verses 14 and 15 talks about Lydia, who is a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshiper of her God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So again, it's this idea that everybody in the family upon coming mm -hmm. to faith was baptized. So what yeah. are some of your comments on that as a pastor? Um, yeah, I, 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 you, you've summed it up really well. I think um, just to realize that um, back in biblical times, the household was multiple generations. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not the households that we have now where right. it's just my tight family and my extended family is who knows where, maybe not even in the same state. Yeah. Um, and it's going to so, be grandparents and yeah. kids and their kids. Yeah, and, and the aunts and the uncles. And, mm -hmm. and like a, like a, they lived in more like compounds yeah. um, where they would have an inner courtyard and then housing uh, around it, so to speak. And mm -hmm. so so when they say household, they're talking, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't studied it that deeply. Just a lot more than what we would consider. Just enough to know that their is different than ours. Um, so quite possibly there were babies in the mix mm -hmm. in that. And so... Um, you know, the covenant denomination is unique uh, on, a, on a number of fronts. And one is this um, s sort of underlying current of agreeing to disagree on, on certain things that um, don't impact salvation. And baptism is one of them, mm -hmm. you know, where we just say, you know what? Hey, we can do both of these things. Yeah. We're honoring Jesus. We're honoring his example. And either one of them, we find that there is good conversation around scripture that supports both of them. And so let's not make this a big deal that divides our church or divides our friendships and that kind of thing and families. Let's uh, let's just find a common ground where we can stand and move forward. So mm -hmm. I think um, that's been the resting point on the on the baptism question for the denomination. Um, but these scriptures help us um, have that conversation because the other pieces. We want to know where is it? Where is it written in the Bible? Right? <laughs> yep. You're going to argue something. We'll back that up with what Jesus has to say. And so. Um, I love that you that you included the passage about where Jesus says, let the children come, because, again, we have these isolated stories, but it's our job to put the stories in the larger context and the larger narrative of the Bible and not keep them isolated incidents. And so when you when you put Cornelius' story alongside Lydia's, alongside Jesus' story with the disciples, you do see this elevation of children mm -hmm. um, that maybe isn't immediately apparent, but it, but as you take the whole story you, you see these are valuable mm -hmm. uh, parts of who we are as the body of Christ. Absolutely, people that Jesus wanted to very intentionally include yes, in absolutely. the community. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, good. So because um, there is so much discussion, or let me rephrase, infant baptism for many of us in this geographic area um, that is highly influenced by both Catholic and Lutheran traditions that practice infant baptism, for families that choose not to have their infants baptized, they will sometimes also do what we call infant dedication, which mm -hmm. is also something that we practice mm -hmm. at Faith Kurt at Faith Kurt Faith <laughs> Church. Faith Church. Um, and many evangelical covenant churches also practice yes. called infant dedication. Yes. So what's that about? Okay. Like what's that whole thing? Yeah, so uh, in both in both situations, whether you're doing infant baptism or infant dedication, there is a piece where parents um, 
basically promised to raise their kids to know and love Jesus to the best of their ability. And the congregation is invited to be a part of that as well. That's all biblical. We, we together, all of mm-hmm. us, are responsible for the generations coming behind us and making sure that they know the stories of Jesus and they can step into a full relationship with him. That's on us yep. to make that happen. So both infant dedication and infant baptism um, service will include those components, a, a, a charge to parents to say, hey, your responsibility is to make sure you know your kids know and love Jesus and congregation your responsibility is to support this family and be involved in the love and care and nurture of their kids um, and and so uh, what separates the two then infant dedication from infant baptism is actually the act of baptism mm-hmm. so the whole first part of the service is basically the same it, it's a family coming and saying we want to take a public stand in front of our church family that we love these kids, we understand that God has entrusted them to our care for a time, we have a responsibility, we want you to join us in this responsibility. It's just this public announcement of, we are a family that's choosing to to, to put Christ at the center of who we are, and we need your help to do it. Mm-hmm. You get that in both services, and then the infant baptism service will go on to include the actual act of baptism. Sure. Yeah. And then, are there any resources that we have here at the church that can kind of help parents navigate these decisions if they're thinking about, uh, you know, once they have kids? I happen to have one with me. Wow. Imagine. Shocker. (laughs) Uh, This is a little brochure that the Covenant Denomination years and years and years ago, and it does just um, go through what is infant baptism, what is infant dedication, and then the role of uh, the community of faith in both of those. We summarized it for you. What's helpful about this is if if there's a family that's considering... um, infant baptism or dedication and they're coming from an infant baptism tradition but they're finding they prefer to move toward a dedication but their family is maybe not going to understand that this is a nice tool to be able to share with your family to to just explain um oftentimes we get nervous that we're not going to remember to say the right thing so if you have a brochure you can hand somebody be like this is it better than i could ever say it mom um it's a, a a nice thing to have um, the other thing is just the baptism classes, you know, that uh, Pastor Shar um, this fall has been offering um, and, and they will get offered periodically throughout the year. A great place to come and learn and ask questions. Um, just because you come to a class doesn't mean you're obligated to be mm-hmm. baptized. Right? It's not like we're going to force you into anything. So it, it's a good place to explore um, and to find out. You can also, you know, feel free to contact me and, or, or and probably anybody else on staff and um, just sit down and have a conversation. One of the things I like to do when I talk with parents who are choosing infant dedication, um, or, or rather infant baptism, is to encourage them to mark it like a birthday. Mm, yep. Right? So get a little cupcake with a candle in it or something <laughs> on baptism anniversary as your kids grow, because you made that decision for them um, at the time of baptism, but later in life they may not understand what you know what what happened or why. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you celebrate it annually as a family, you get to retell the story and and your kids start to own that story with you, even though it was your initial decision um, way back when they were babies. Um, I find that really helpful when kids go through the confirmation process then, because now this is confirmation is meant to be a place where you own your faith, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're helping teenagers ask tough questions find some good answers and and take whatever faith has been handed to them up at that point and then make it their own. Um, and so uh, in that process, kids who are baptized as babies uh, may see some of their friends choosing to be baptized and they'll be like, wait, do I need to do that? 
do I need to be rebaptized? Like, mm-hmm. it just brings up all these questions. But as a family, if you've been telling this story every year as they grow, they'll know there really is no reason to be rebaptized, although you could choose that. Um, and, and they'll understand that a decision was made for them, but they get to reaffirm or own that decision and confirmation. Mm-hmm. So in an infant baptism scenario, confirmation has a sort of an extra um, meaningful piece to it as sort of a tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I made this decision when you were a baby. Now you get to make your own decision as a, as a confirmand. Uh, and I think that that's um, just a, a, one thing that I really try to talk through with parents and suggest to them. Mm-hmm. So. And one thing I really appreciate about the infant baptism and the infant dedication discussion is that with infant baptism, there's a very clear sign of the parents saying, yes, I am dedicated to raising my children in the faith as much as possible. And it's kind of a welcoming them into the church family in a sense. And what I appreciate about then offering infant dedication is that we still want to have that intentionality of mm-hmm. the parents raising children in the faith and welcoming the child into the faith community yeah. without necessarily, uh, f- f- while also respecting a desire to maybe um, pursue a believer baptism down yes. the road someday. Yes. Um, yeah. That's what I really like, that we have both of these traditions next to each other. Mm-hmm. They're not in tension with each other really they're complementing one another i think yeah i agree with that think of it as you will it's a faith milestone right Mm -hmm. you you like to mark um sort of things that happen in life and it's important to mark things that happen in your faith journey as well and with babies to have some sort of our journey is starting right like your baby's been born and now you're coming before the church you're saying hey we're gonna we're gonna live this way as followers of jesus and we need your help uh, church to do that with us. That's a faith milestone. And whether that milestone happens to be dedication or baptism, you can choose mm-hmm. you know, what, what fits your family the best. And then you're off, you know, you're on this journey and you're not alone. You're bringing the whole church with you. And I'm just curious too, how did you navigate make that making that decision when you had kids? Because you oh, had yeah. kids and so you had to navigate <laughs> the decision of yeah. dedication or baptism. What was that process yeah. look like for you? Well, um, both of us came from infant baptism backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made sense for us to have kids baptized as infants. And so we did. Um, and we learned with Emma because she's our first. We learned all kinds of things with Emma because <laughs> she's our first. Um, that... Um, that what you do in these in-between years really does matter because when she hit confirmation, that question of baptism came up. The confirmation program that she was a part of uh, really uh, encouraged eighth graders, was a two-year program, seventh and eighth grade, really encouraged eighth graders to consider being baptized if mm. they hadn't been baptized yet as a, as a solidification of that confirmation pro- um, process. And then, you know, a public statement of faith, right? Both mm-hmm. wrap it all up and tie it in a bow and dunk it in the water, right? <laughs> and <laughs> yep. I think, um, and so, so many of her friends were choosing to be baptized. She was um, confused by that, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like, well, I want to do that too. And do, should I do that? Can I do that? And so we, we had a good conversation. I don't know if she remembers it, but I do. Um, where we really just got down to why is it important to you? Is it, mm-hmm. is, is it important that you're taking a public stand? Is it important to do it because your friends are doing it? Like, what is it that's drawing you to? And, and um, you know, she, she, it was a little bit of both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just wanting to be a part of a big event with mm-hmm. everybody else. 
Um, and so we really got down to, well, the being rebaptized isn't necessary. Right. Um, but if you want to take a public stand, you can do that without the baptism. Mm-hmm. And so the way they did the, the eighth grade confirmation baptism service, uh, students would read a part of their testimony prior to being baptized. Mm-hmm. So the whole service was testimonies and baptism and music and testimonies and baptism and music and however long it took them to get through, you know, baptizing kids. And, um, and so I said to Emma, I, you know, you could prepare and read a statement of faith without having to be baptized. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of left that with her to think about, but in the end she chose not to be rebaptized. And because we walked that road with her, we knew what to anticipate when Mateo came that way. Um, and he, he wasn't as, um, it, it didn't hit him the same way that it hit Emma, mm-hmm. but I was grateful that we'd had the conversations with them along the way mm-hmm. um, because they sort of had then that built-in story and history and uh, in, in wrapped in their lives already. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, that's when I realized, you know, because I was baptized as a baby and then I did confirmation. And as a kid, you don't notice that there's a connection between the two. Right. Right. It's just like, oh, I'm doing this. And then my parents told me to do this. So, <laughs> so you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, actually, there's a strong correlation yeah. between, between these two faith milestones. And um, and so it was fun to be able to work that through, you know, with my own my own two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I just have a couple more questions about how we practice infant baptism here at Faith. So one is... Um, if I'm a member, do I have to have my child baptized? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. Simple answer. Nope. <laughs> that um, one's easy. <laughs> we, we did talk about how um, for adults pursuing membership in our church that um, we do ask that they have been baptized or that they will be baptized the next available opportunity, but that's not something that we require of our kids. So right. it's, well, not, kids it's not a litmus test for anything. Yeah. 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 Okay, and then um, when we talked, when Shar and I talked about believers' baptism, we talked about how primarily we do immersion. So when we're baptizing infants, some traditions do immerse babies. Yes. We do not. No, so we don't. <laughs> I did find out the right way to do that, though. Oh, which is so when you're teaching babies to swim, you're supposed to blow in their face, so they go, <gasps> and then you dunk them under the water. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I tried it with Mateo. It didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be why he was like deathly afraid of the pool for a long time. Yeah. But anyway, that's a side story. Yeah. Um, no, we have a, a baptism font. And so mm-hmm. it's really just a, a sprinkle on the head of your yeah. baby. And like, a, a, I think the church that I grew up with, they also just had like a small like bowl that they yeah. used just to kind of pour a little bit of water on yeah. the head of the baby. Yeah. So sprinkling or a light pouring is commonly yeah. what's practiced with infant so baptism. And that's what it, we do. It, it's always interesting because... I, I try to make sure the water is warm because babies' <laughs> heads are very warm. Yes. And if you have cold water, it's very startling to yes. the baby. And that's maybe the last thing you want up on stage <laughs> is to startle a baby. <laughs> I do have a really sweet baptism story. Do we have time yes, for it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I was uh, uh, at Covenant Harbor Bible Camp. This was years ago. Emma, I think, was two or three years old. Uh, and I brought her with. And uh, they had a worship service. And the uh, pastor who was leading the worship service had a bowl of water on the table um, and gave an opportunity for people to just renew their baptism mm-hmm. um, by just putting, just put coming up at on their own time, you know, when they were ready and just touching the water and just remembering mm-hmm. I was baptized too, you know. Yeah. Kind of. 
uh, kind of thing. And so it was just me with Emma. I couldn't leave a three-year-old in the seat by herself. So I brought her up with me, two hands <laughs> into the water, right? As a, as a kid would, right? Like mm-hmm. experience the whole thing. She puts both her hands in the water and brings them out and then does this to my face. <laughs> And it honestly That's was so the cute. most powerful thing. Yeah. Like the, in that moment, there was just, I mean, I don't know. For me, it just hit me. Like It just hit me. Like my my daughter just like sort of rebaptized me. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that there was anything more more in that than yeah. that. But there, I don't know. There's something about children and the way that they perceive things and do things. And um, I don't know. It was It was really... And that comes back to really that childhood, powerful. childlike faith idea yeah. that Jesus always talked about. Yeah. And she did it like very seriously. It wasn't playful. It wasn't yeah. like a, hi, I'm going to get you wet kind of thing. It was like a, like, like she really, I have seen almost this like done she was like pastoral and boom, you know, I was like, wow. Um, so anyway, don't underestimate your kids. Yeah. Uh, what, what they can understand and what they can do. The other thing I love to do uh, with families who are having infants baptized is if there's older siblings, mm-hmm. um, to whatever extent they're comfortable to, um, to ask them a question. So we'll ask a question of faith and commitment from the parents, from the congregation, but also from an older brother or sister. I could say, do you promise to help your baby brother or sister um, grow up to know the stories of Jesus the way that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're too shy to speak, they can just nod um, <laughs> or they can say yes. But it's a way to involve older kids in, in, in an important moment. Yeah. Um, and I like to do that if, if we can. And then I just also want to recognize, too, that um, we do have, like, baptism services where we'll have, you know, we'll do it as part of our Sunday worship in front of mm-hmm. the whole congregation. We've also had um, smaller, like, private baptisms. Um, if if, there, if it's not around a time that we're doing that or if you just want to have just family present, um, we've done that as well at Faith Covenant. Um, my sister had that, uh, did that for their younger son. Um, I, I just want to say that we do that just so that you know, um, but I also want to say that it, it is something really special to do that in front of the congregation yeah. so that we can all be participants in that and we can all say, yes, I, as a person who is not related to this family, okay. am still committed to yeah. um, participating in their lives and participating in discipleship for these young people. Yeah. I agree that the community aspect of it is, again, a great reminder that we have a shared story. Uh, we serve the same God and we're not meant to journey alone. We're no. meant to journey together and we are we are better that way. And so um, yeah, having it in the context of a Sunday morning worship service is always going to be my first choice. Uh, but we'll work with families, yeah. you know, and every every situation is unique. Every, every family story is unique. So, yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on infant baptism or baptism or sacraments anything we've kind of covered today no i don't think so i feel like we i think i think we covered it pretty well all right sounds good if anyone has any questions you know where to find me yeah (laughs) well next week we're going to be having a conversation about communion which is the other sacrament that most protestant traditions and our tradition as the covenant that we practice so stay tuned for that thank you pastor sarah for joining us thank you all for watching and listening (laughs) and i hope you have a wonderful day yeah Have a good one.